if I can let you know what we're doing over the next couple of weeks um, as a church, um, and then ask you to kind of prioritize particularly the next two Sundays um, to be here and to hear what we're, what we're going to be discussing. So um, today, um, this is kind of like a, 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 a the before Alpha, so I'm going to talk a little bit about what it looks like to, you know, we're going to start Alpha on Tuesday. There may be people here that want to come along. There might be an, an opportunity in the next couple of days to invite some people. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Um, next week is Vision Sunday. Um, and so we're going to be looking at uh, what we sense the Lord is saying for the next term um, and beyond. And then the week after that, I haven't really landed on a name for it. it. It's kind of a little bit like a giving Sunday, but it's also a little bit like a what's my personal response in light of the vision. Um, so that's what we're going to be doing over the next two weeks. Um, and uh, so if you can prioritize coming along to those, I think they're really important. We're going to be really praying into where we sense God is leading us as a church, um, and uh, so that's what's coming up. What it does mean uh, is that we're going to take a couple of weeks off Acts. Um, for some of you, that's like, what? I, th- <laughs> I thought we only had Bibles with Acts in it. Um, <laughs> given that's where we, uh, we've been parked for what feels like, well, <laughs> and we've only really got to, we've got to Acts 4 in about a year, which I think is Excellent. Um, but today we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to show you that there are other parts of the Bible uh, that are worth reading also. Um, so that is, that's where we're headed um, over the next couple of weeks. And then, then we're going to dive straight back into um, Acts in a couple of weeks' time. And Luke is preaching, and he has an absolute doozy um, of a passage. It was like I read it and thought, I'm not preaching on that. Luke! Um, <laughs> so that's, that's kind of how that, that's rolled. So as you know, we're going to be starting Alpha um, on Tuesday, and uh, in, in order to prepare Felton for Alpha, we wanted to invite everybody, and for those people who don't know what Alpha is, I'll say it again, it's a, basically it's a course, it's a series of sessions, I tried to get rid of the word course when I was working for Alpha because it, 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 it had connotations that met people may not want to do it, but it's a course. So let's just, you know, what it is on the tin, it's a course. It's a course for um, a number of weeks looking at the central themes of Christianity. Who is Jesus? Why did he die? How can I have faith? How do I pray? What about the Bible? How does God guide us? We look at the Holy Spirit. We look at evil, healing, telling others in the church. Um, And so it's like a really, it, it looks at a lot of what the core kind of beliefs of Christianity are. And the hope is that during that week, people will be able to wrestle with what they think, what they feel, what they believe. Um, and in all the midst of that, it, it's kind of cushioned in this, this invitation to come and see. And when people um, come and see who Jesus is, um, how he feels about his people, what he's done um, to demonstrate love for them, um, it transform, he transforms people's lives. And that's our hope and prayer that, uh, you know, we wouldn't convince people of an argument, but they'd have an encounter with the living Jesus that would transform their lives. And so that's what we're going to be doing on, on Alpha over these coming weeks, um, starting on Tuesday. And so what we decided to do, um, and we, we invited a bunch of people to come with us and to go up onto the high street. We took this wonderful creation that you can see um, there onto the high street. We took some lollipops. We took some balloons um, and... Basically, what we wanted to do was to ask people as they walked past, um, if it turned out that there, there was a God after all, and you could ask one question, what would that question be? 
And it was remarkable. Um, you know, in the past, when I've done things like this, and I have to admit, it utterly terrifies me to, to go and do this stuff on the high street. Some of you, when I was talking about it in the weeks coming up, was like, there's no way I'm doing that. It sounds far too scary. And you're right, it is really scary. But we had the most incredible conversations. There is an openness um, here in Feltham on the high street to spiritual conversations and I'm talking about faith um, that really surprised me actually um, especially compared to some of the places I've done this before and I found myself in these conversations kind of in, in one conversation apologizing actually for some of the mistakes or some of the hurts that the church had caused I, I heard myself I heard well I listened to people um, express you know their deepest longings and the wrongs that they see in the world um, I heard people's objections to faith. Um, I heard their insights into who God is and, and, and how he kind of interacts with the world. And I got to share a little bit about what our church is like and who Jesus is to me as I understand him from the Bible. And it was loads of fun. But in the midst of that, there were um, a bunch of questions. Oh, and the orange T-shirts, by the way. They went down a treat. In fact... <laughs> I sold one for 20 quid. Um, I didn't want to sell it. I was like, I'll give it to you. And he, no, I want to pay 20 quid for it. I was like, no. And he said, like, yes, I got 20 quid, guys. Which, um, of course, put into the offering. Um, <laughs> I didn't keep it. Um, but the questions that, that people asked, so they were like, um, if God made the universe, who made God? Why has religion become so corrupt? Um, how can God know everyone? Um, how do we know that he's there? Why, does, why is there evil stuff in the world? Doesn't science have all the answers? Are you real? What happens when we die? Are my dead family members okay? Can God cure diseases? Do people actually go to heaven and hell? What about the earthquakes? Why do people hurt people they love? Did you really die on the cross? What are you doing right now? How can a loving God allow surf, uh, suffering? Surfing. Uh, obviously, a loving God would allow surfing, but suffering... Why are we here? And there's so many more questions and conversations that, that we had. And, you know, behind every question that people ask around faith, there's always a, there's, there's, there's a, there's a circumstance, there's a story behind it, isn't it? You know, if you're asking about suffering so often, you know, why does God allow suffering so often? There's personal suffering that's going on for them. And so not only did we, we get to hear some really great questions that people are wrestling with, we got an insight into some people's lives. And, and on, we, we then had the opportunity to say, well, you know, let's talk about this thing. We invite them to, to come along on a Sunday, invited them to come along to Alpha so that they could start to bring their questions. And the reality is, I think, that, you know, for people on the high street, they're not massively different to us sitting here. We may have been a Christian or a follower of Jesus for a really long time. Some of you um, might not identify as a follower of Jesus, but we still have these questions. Questions like, what, you know, why can't I, if you're there, why can't I hear you? Why aren't you listening to me? Or it might be questions around, why do I still have these doubts? Like, I, I, I believe this, but, and yet I don't. Or questions like, why, why are these words that were spoken over me all those years ago still have power over me? Why don't you heal? Why haven't you fulfilled the desires of my heart? Why is everything so overwhelming? And so in the midst of these 
questions, concerns, anxieties, frustrations, and the list goes on. What I want to do and what we have the great opportunity of doing is extending an invitation, an invitation to come and see. Come and see. Come and see who this man Jesus is. It's an invitation to bring your questions, your concerns, your anxieties, bring your actual self, not your Instagram self, your actual self, and see what God says in the midst of the pain, the sorrow, the confusion, and be open to what he might want to do in your life. My experience is that when we come and say we come to Jesus, we hear what he has to say to us, we see what he's doing and will do in our lives, it will transform your life as it has mine, if you'd let him. So there's this little Bible passage um, in the Bible that's not in Acts, it's in John. Um, And uh, Jules, if you're happy to put that up on the screen, 1 John 38 to 42. There's this little snippet in in John, right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, um, where he was starting to get a bit of a reputation and people were wondering who he was. And uh, this is just a little snippet of, uh, of what happened. So they went and they saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we found the Messiah, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. And just before that, which I I should have put up, but I made a mistake, and I always say, and I'm not so good at the whole PowerPoint thing. Very sorry. (laughs) But just before that, so I'm going to start from verse 35, because there's there's, uh, 37. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus said to them, what do you want? And they said, Rabbi, um, where are you staying? And he said, come, and you'll see. And so there's this moment where Jesus is wandering around, Um, and he's getting on with the ministry, and these two people come up to him, and they say to him, where are you going? What are you doing? What are you up to? And he says, come and see for yourself. Come and see where I'm going. Come and see what I'm doing. And then these disciples then followed Jesus. They saw who he was. They saw what he was up to. Um, And actually, these guys ended up doing what he did and transformed the world. So when these people made the decisions, when these two disciples made the decision to come and see, to start to follow Jesus, the question is, what did they see? What did they encounter? And what they saw, um, which lots of you know in this room, what they saw firsthand is who God is and what God is like. You see, we read through in that, in that Bible passage, uh, in that book, John, um, that John wants to make a really clear case by what he writes throughout that book, that Jesus is God. If you want to know who God is, if you want to know who God is, look to Jesus. If you want to know what kind of God we worship and serve as Christians, look to Jesus. And what you'll see when you look to Jesus is you will see a man 
who's full of compassion, full of grace. He wasn't angry. He was loving. He knew people. He loved people. He cared for the outsider. He brought them in. And so at the heart of the gospel, the heart, I guess, of what we believe is that God in Jesus has made a way for you to be known and loved by God. Known and loved by God. What Jesus did on the cross, um, which you know this cross is here. What Jesus, not that cross just here, it was another one. Um, but it's like that one. Actually, nothing like that one. But I digress. Um, what he did on the cross in dying for us has made a way for you to be known and loved by God. And I think there's two senses in which we are known by God. There is the now and there's who you will become. So God looks upon you and he knows you. He knows who you are right now. He knows you completely. He knows the real you. He knows, he knows you in a, in a way that, you know, in the, in the way that nobody else sees. He sees the good, he sees the bad, he sees the stuff we try to hide, he sees the guilt and the shame, he sees it, the real you. He knows it all. We know this, we read this in Psalm 139, where, it's, where, where the psalmist writes, you have searched me, Lord, you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. The God of the universe knows you. Now, I don't know what that brings up for you. That might be quite a terrifying thought. Oh, gosh, he knows who I am entirely. But in the context of a God who knows you and loves you, wow, it's incredible. So he knows, he knows who you are now and he knows who you have the potential to become when he's at work with you, if you allow him to work in and through you. In this passage, in verse 42, it says here, Andrew brought Simon to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of, God, the son of John. Your name will be Cephas. Cephas means Peter, a rock. Or is it Caiaphas? Is it a cut or a sir? Do you think? See. Cephas, which means Peter, or a rock, or a stone. Do you know, I used to laugh a lot when I read these passages, because it's so often happening. We're like, you know, I know your name's Luke, um, but from now on, you're going to be known as Jack. Um, is that right, Luke? <laughs> and... Throughout scripture, there's this sense in which these people come with their names and then Jesus is like, I'm not calling you that name, I'm calling you a different name. And I'd be like, gosh, that's quite confusing because I already had a name. Now. But, and so I always used to laugh a little bit about how that used to happen. But actually, when you think about it, it's profound. It's incredible that this guy, Simon, he comes along, he sees Simon, he knows Simon, he sees who he is, and he says over him, yeah, but your name's Peter. You're the rock. You're the stone. He, he can see who this man is and who he will become. And when you think about that in the context of you know, who we are and who we could be and how God knows who we are and who we could be, um, I get, just get this kind of sense, I suppose, that as we walk in, we come in, don't we, with, with a name 
or maybe some words that have been spoken over you, or, or maybe you look at yourself and you think, I'm not good at this, I'm a failure at this, or I'm, you know, I've, I'm not good enough in this sense. And, and, and it's almost as if God, as you walk in, he looks at you and he goes, no, you're not failure. You know, you're not this. You're not that. You know, you come in and say, this is, I, I'm hopeless. You know, no, you have hope. I'm not loving. No, I love you. And there's a really profound kind of moment that is, you, he takes you from who you are and who you think you are and the current situation, and he says over you, this is who you are. And it's a really beautiful moment that happens for Simon, as Jesus calls him Peter, and for us, as, as Jesus looks upon us. And he sees everything that's going on for you, and he sees the way that you look at yourselves, and, he, and he, he knows the words that have been spoken over you. And instead, he gives you a new name. You're my son. You're my daughter. I love you. I died for you. And, uh, you know, it, it might be this morning that this is what you need to hear, that you've been carrying around the name that you thought was true and Jesus sees something different. You want that. You have hope. You have life. You have a future. This is how Jesus sees you. And so he knows you. He knows who you are. And he knows who you, are, who you have the potential to be with him at work in you. <clears throat> and so that's the first thing that, that strikes me when I, I look at this passage, is I know you. Um, but not only are you known completely, you're loved completely by God. And God's love transforms everything. It changes everything. When you know that you are loved by God, things change in you, the way you look at yourself who you are begins to shift. Even like John 3.16, one of those famous verses. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish or die but have eternal life. God's love takes dead things and brings life. He brings transformation. If we believe in him, if we put our trust in him, he takes our lives and he brings life. The thing I love about God's love for us is that it is rich with integrity. He is not in love with the idea of us. He's not in love with the social media picture of us. He knows who you are, everything. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And he loves you completely. He knows you as you actually are. And you might be saying, actually, I'm not sure um, I deserve that kind of love. Um, and actually, if you knew exactly what I was really like, the person I really am, um, you wouldn't love me, God. And the truth is, he does actually know you, and he does actually love you. His love has integrity. It's real. And his love has power. It transforms us. There is power in the love of Jesus. When we look at the cross and we see the victory that Jesus took over death, we know that his love has power to save, to heal, to restore, to bring hope 
and a future. His love transforms us from who we are now into who we, we were designed to be, no matter what your background. He restores and renews your life. He brings about his flourishing, his healing, his hope through Jesus. I am... Um, I've, I've told this story before, um, but I, as I was preparing, it, it kind of struck me again. And it's one of those stories where you kind of really think it's, it must be, it's too good to be true. Um, and so I did a bunch of research to find out that it is actually true. And then I had one of those moments of like, well, of course it's true. That's, God does things like this, you know. So the this, this story is, and you'll remember it, but I think it's just very encouraging. This is, the writer says, in the presence, in God's presence, we're reminded of his great love for us, great love for us, his forgiveness and his acceptance. There was this pastor, uh, Robert Cornwall was his name, and he was pastoring in a small church in Salem, Oregon. Um, when he approached the directors um, of the state mental institution with an offer of doing some part-time counselling, you, you, may, you may be starting to remember this story, but his first assignment was building 37, an area which housed the, really the sickest of um, the patients there at the hospital. And the first day, the guard let him into the room, and it was filled with people um, who, who could only be described as deranged. They were half-clothed. There was human excrement everywhere. And when he tried to talk to the patients and the inmates, um, all he received in response to his conversations were, were groans and moans and, and sometimes demonic laughter. And then he sensed the Holy Spirit say to him um, in the middle of the room, for the full hour, sing that children's song. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. And so he did that, and he sang. And at the end of the first song, there was no response. And the second visit, he sat on the floor and he sang the simple song again. Yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. And then on the third week, about 20 minutes into the session, the lady, a, lady, a lady became to circle, a bit like he described it as a dog circles its prey. And Robert continued to sing. And finally, that lady then began to sing the song with him. And over the weeks, one after another, joined in the singing of the song of God's love for them. And by the end of the first month, 36 of the patients had been transferred to the self-care ward and in less than a year, all but two were released from the mental, mental institution. God's love has the power to change everything. And it might be this morning that that, you know, that little story is what you needed to hear. That whatever you, whatever's going on for you, whatever the backgrounds you may have, whatever the things that you think are disgusting and ugly about you, know this this morning you're loved. Know this, that as you are, God knows you inside and out and loves you all the same. That he longs to transform you, bring freedom and hope if you would put your trust in him. Allow his love to transform you.
Because as you do that, as you put yourself in a position where you can be known and loved by God, it's then you experience belonging. It's there you, you are moved from an outsider to an insider where, where the shame is healed, where the hope and hopelessness goes, and where life really begins. I had this friend of mine um, at school uh, who... He, he always, always like, even now, like, credit me. He's like, oh, you're the, one that, you're the one that kind of brought me to church and you're the one that, like, changed my life and all this sort of stuff. And, and uh, I, I, I just I remember him being like, you're wrong. <laughs> um, he, he was, um, uh, when we were at school, he, he kind of hit the, the, the lowest of the low. Um, he'd, he'd um, he, yeah, I just, I, I, you know, it's one of those, your heart kind of breaks even kind of thinking about it when, you know, he was in the pit of depression. And um, he was basically like, I've, I've had enough. And, and in the midst of, of that, um, I didn't really know what else to do other than say, come and see. Come and see who I found. And, um, and so I invited him along to church um, one Sunday. Um, and... He found, well, I won't say he found Jesus, rather Jesus found him. And um, his life was utterly transformed. And uh, he, you know, that was, I don't know, 25 years ago, whatever. And uh, he is still, you know, in the church, loving Jesus, utterly transformed guy, because God loved him. He allowed himself to be known by God and to experience his love that transformed his life. And when I think about what we have to offer this gospel, when we're here in Felton, and we think about Alpha, really it is an invitation to our friends, our family, the people on the streets to come and see that there is a God who knows you and who loves you. And so it might be this morning that you want to take up that invitation and come along and do Alpha. Maybe you're quite new to the, the, faith, the faith and you've got a whole range of questions. And come on, Alpha. Um, I guarantee to you that as, as you go through the course, you will encounter Jesus. It might be that today this is like a, a reminder to you that, that, that we need to extend and to commit their life to Alpha or commit their life to church or anything else other than we are inviting them into a relationship with Jesus to come and explore who this guy is and for them to experience for themselves what love could look like and what purpose in Jesus might look like. And so I'd love you to be thinking and praying um, about whether you want to come along or whether there might be someone that you might like to invite uh, on Tuesday night. Um, and I thought it might be cool just to give you a little taster um, of what we watch the DVDs. Um, not the DVDs. Who watches DVDs anymore? Um, <laughs> uh, the video of Alpha. This is the very first session. Um, and it's a testimony of a guy called Francis Collins. And you may have heard of him before. Um, uh, he is, he's like the leader of the Human Genome Project. He's like got more brains than, than me, um, <laughs> which I guess isn't difficult in the context of what he does. Um, so 
I'd love to show you that, and then um, we're going to take a moment to, to pray. So why don't we cast our minds to the screen? Too.